to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. Also streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. This is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. I want to welcome you to the show today. Also remind you that we are doing a simulcast today. So we're streaming live on Facebook Hi, Facebook. (laughs) Uh, So you can join us there. You can comment. And another great thing is we are having a call in show today. So throughout the show, if you want to call in and give me some feedback, tell me what your goals are, what your New Year's resolutions are. You can give me a call at 203-872-7356. Again, that number is 203 872-7356. We are live and today we are talking about New Year's resolutions and setting audacious goals and how to achieve them. Um, This is our first show of 2017. Wow. You know, I I, I think about kind of like when I was a, a kid, this year was seemed to be just so far away and like I didn't imagine what the world would be like or what life would be like in 2017 but we are here already we're at 2017 um and we're so let's talk new year's resolution so (laughs) every year during this time people set new year's resolutions now we like to say oh I don't really do that but the truth is just about half of Americans, half of the entire country actually set New Year's resolutions. So let's not pretend we don't do that. We do do that. So here are some of the statistics. Um, For New Year's resolutions, about 48% of people actually set New Year's resolution. This is the most current statistics, right, for uh, 2016. And that's it. So let's put it in perspective. When there is a Super Bowl in the United States, about a third of the country, so about 33% of the United States actually watch the Super Bowl. However, 48% of us actually set New Year's resolutions. So let's not say we don't. So I want to know what your resolution is and Um, how you're going to go about achieving it. And today what we're doing is we're actually talking about how do we actually achieve those goals that we set for ourselves. So what are some of the most common things that people set resolutions for? So the number one, of course, I think you can guess it, it's to lose weight. That is the number one resolution. Now, some of these other things really was a little surprising to me. So I thought it was interesting. So the number one resolution is to lose weight. The number two is to get organized. I so need to do that. The number three is to spend less and save more. We all need to do that. Um, <laughs> especially since other another statistic tells us that uh, 75% of Americans don't have a thou- even $1,000 inside of their savings account. So that's the third New Year's resolution. Enjoy life to the fullest is the fourth. Number five is staying fit and healthy. Number six is to learn something exciting. Number seven is to quit smoking. Number eight is to help others 
in their dreams. Number nine is to fall in love. And number 10 is to spend more time with family. So those are the top 10 New Year's resolutions that people make um, as they are trying to learn how to or navigate this self-improvement thing. So I think that that's it's, it's really interesting. All of those are really great goals. But OK, so here is the problem. The problem is that only about 8% of people who set New Year's resolution actually achieve them. So that is actually a pretty big failure rate. <laughs> so 92% of the people who set a resolution actually don't achieve them. So what, what, what we're going to do is um, talk about how do we actually do that. And Abdi Mahad on Facebook is saying, why do we give up on the resolutions almost as quickly as we make them? We're going to talk about that. One of those reasons is there's two reasons why people give up on resolutions or give up on any particular goal. Number one is it's normally too big. And number two is it's it is very often it is not specific enough. So those are two things that we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about the science behind it, the neurology behind it, um, and how we can change that this year. And we're going to, at least for the people who's listening to this show, we're going to up that statistic from 8%. And again, if you want to tell me what your resolution is, you can just give me a call. Um, if you're on Facebook, you can see that call in number um, inside of the description of the video. If you are listening to us live, you can call in at 203-872-7356. So for anybody who has followed me for a while, know that my number one gig is being a health and happiness coach. So let's talk about those health and fitness resolutions first. And that's also the number one thing. <laughs> that's the number one thing that people uh, uh, want to do. They want to lose weight. And rightfully so. We know that uh, being overweight and obese is not just an American problem. It's a worldwide problem. And why is it a problem? It's not a problem because of body image. It's a, it's a problem because it actually causes uh, illness and disease and it exacerbates any illnesses and, and diseases that we have. So weight loss is something that is on everybody's mind, right? <laughs> right? Especially during the first year. And I have to be honest, so I, I have a gym membership for the first time in my life. So interestingly enough, I've actually <laughs> just gotten my first uh, gym membership. And um, I have not been to the gym in two days because I am afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid that it's going to be. So I've been exercising at home, which I've done pretty much my whole life. Right. <laughs> and just got a gym membership for the first time. But I have heard. Um, so I went to the gym on the first and it was not crowded at all. And I was very happy. And then all of my Facebook friends started telling me it's because everybody's tired from their New Year celebration. <laughs> So no one is there, but tomorrow it's going to be crazy, right? So I'm a little bit apprehensive, but I'm going to go today. I'm going to go today and I will hopefully navigate it. Hopefully I will. It won't be too crowded. I am totally prepared to walk into the gym, decide that it's too crowded and walk back out and come later. 
So I'm totally prepared for that. <laughs> but we'll see what happens. <laughs> so uh, Aaliyah says on Facebook that she um, has been doing one and working on one and two since late last year, but can't seem to find the time. Okay, so one and two was getting more organized and to lose weight. So both of those are actually kind of connected. So let's talk about weight loss for a minute. So one of the things about setting a weight loss goal is often we set a number on the scale. And that can be helpful, but that alone should not be a weight loss goal, right? That should not be your only goal. Think about the things that you want to achieve. So there's a couple of things with weight loss. Let me let me back up a little bit. When you're setting a weight loss goal, let's talk about realistic weight loss. So let's not talk about a weekly goal, but let's talk about kind of like the long term goal. So realistic sustained weight loss is about one to two pounds a week. Right. So that is over a period of a year. When they've done research studies and they found uh, people who have lost a significant amount of weight and were able to keep it off. So it's not just about losing the weight. Right. We don't want to reset the same New Year's resolution every single year. It's about losing the weight and keeping it off. They found that people who after a year, their average weight loss was one to two pounds a week that they had an 80% chance of actually keeping the weight off, right? Because when you have that consistency, it is an indication of consistency of lifestyle changes. And it doesn't have to be huge things. It can be small things, right? But having that consistency, when people go on dramatic weight loss, I, you know, as a, um, a fitness coach, I say that the biggest loser was probably the, Worst thing that happened to personal trainers <laughs> because people saw what was the TV losing 10 pounds a week and they literally think that one, they can do it, <laughs> um, which is very unlikely. Losing 10 pounds a week is not even healthy. Um, and number two, they think that that like doing these extreme weight loss and your trainer yelling and screaming in your face is the way weight loss happened. Weight loss does not happen that way. Number one, what we see as a TV week is actually not really a week. I actually know one of the biggest loser um, um, at home winners. And in talking to him about some of the back end of the show, you know, what we see as a TV week, maybe two or three weeks what of them actually what they actually what it what they actually spent between the weigh-ins. So that's number one, it's TV weight loss. And number two, now that The Biggest Loser has been on for so long, they have actually followed some of these, most of them, and they found that most of the people, like above 80%, do not maintain that weight loss. It was much too extreme and it was uh, much too quick. And they don't maintain the habits and they not only gain the weight back, but a lot of them end up being heavier than they were before they were on the show. So that is not realistic. <laughs> OK, <laughs> that is not realistic. We got so we have some uh, questions. So um, when we're talking about weight loss, let's talk about setting realistic goals. So 
if you want to lose weight this year, do not set a goal for I'm going to lose 150 pounds, right? That's not a realistic goal for a healthy, sustained weight loss. To say I'm going to lose 50 pounds this year or 75 pounds this year, that is certainly doable. But you can't leave it at that. You have to reverse engineer it, which means you need to look at what you want to lose and then give yourself an amount that you need to lose a, a month. And then now you have to talk about changing your habits, right? So most people know the basic things about eating healthy. We just don't do them, right? We know we need to eat more vegetables. We know we need to drink more water. We know we, we need to cut out the cakes and the cookies and the ice cream and the soda. We know this, but we don't do it. So what is it about it that we don't why? Why don't we do what we know we're supposed to do? There is a psychological aspect to it. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio, also streaming live at newhavenindependent.org. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and you're listening to Mornings with Mubaraka, where we talk about national issues from a local level through a lens of diversity. And today we are actually talking about setting and achieving goals. As our New Year's show, we're going to start this year off with setting realistic goals and making sure we achieve them. And they don't have to be realistic to my standard because I believe that people should set audacious goals. Like there's no reason why you can't achieve it. You just set your, you just break it down. I'm all about reverse engineering. You know, there's a saying that says uh, begin with the end in mind. And I believe that that's what I recommend for my fitness clients. That's what I recommend for my business coaching clients. We reverse engineer all of our goals. So one of the things that uh, that uh, Aaliyah is asking on um, on Facebook is um, I'm going to scroll up is about number one and two, one and two about the weight loss goal, which is the number one goal. And number two is the getting organized goal. So saying getting organized is not enough. And just like weight loss, you need to break it down. What does that mean to you, right? Do you want to uh, consistently be able to um, make sure you put your clothes away the same day that you do laundry, right? So that's my that's one of my getting organized goals, right? <laughs> Don't let it sit in a laundry basket for two days before you actually fold them and put them in the drawer. So <laughs> now that's one of my goals. <laughs> um, and one of the other things uh, that we that um, I have my Facebook people asking is how do you stop drinking soda when you're so addicted? Right. So that's one of those that goes back to what we were saying earlier about how we know what to do and we just don't do it. Right. Sugar is a huge, huge addiction. And the soda drinking is about the sugar addiction. And just like someone who's addicted to alcohol, you can't say, well, I'm only going to have a little bit. You really just have to quit cold turkey. That really is the, the, the way that you do it. So even if you give yourself like, I am not going to drink soda for six weeks, right? 
really hard. You're going to have to use, so you're going to have to substitute it for something, right? So every time we remove a bad habit, you have to replace it with something that's healthier. So instead of soda, you might want to just have seltzer water, right? It still gives you kind of like that bubbly taste in your mouth, but it doesn't have the sugar and the sweetness. And it's the sugar that's the addiction, Audrey, not not necessarily the soda itself, right? So don't substitute soda. So here's what you don't do. Don't substitute soda for juice, right? It's still giving you that same sugar high. (laughs) So you want to make sure that... um, you want to make sure that you are substituting for something. And when are you drinking soda, right? Is it really how you feel that you need to, some people actually use it as an end of the day treat, right? I've all day and now I'm going to have something sugary and sweet. And um, that's not necessarily, uh, that's something that's not necessarily obviously something you should do, um, but reward yourself in other ways. So, um, <laughs> so here's a, that's a really interesting one, Abdi. So Abdi on Facebook says the only time he exercises when his wife is with him. They, hey, they say behind every good man is a good woman, right? <laughs> he said he lacks self-motivation to do it on his own. So, um, um, so here's one of the things about being motivated. Your body, so the biggest myth that we have when it comes that we trick ourselves into believing when it comes to exercise and eating healthy, that you have to be motivated. That is actually not true to get results. You just got to do it. So you don't have to want to do it. You don't have to love exercise, but you have to just get up and do it. And how it works is the motivation actually is more likely to follow the action than it being the reverse, right? So when you exercise, when you move, and don't think of exercise just as kind of like you have to get a gym membership and go to the gym, but it is also just getting up and moving, like literally making a habit of I'm going to walk for 20 minutes during my lunch break at work or after work every day, I'm going to park at the parking lot that is the furthest away from the building, right? Not I'm not going to park in my my building's parking lot. I'm going to park five blocks down, right? So starting with little things like that, when you exercise, your brain actually produces feel-good hormones and you feel better about yourself and you feel better about your day and you feel better about everything about your what's going on in the world. So, and we can definitely use a lot of that, feeling better about what's going on in the world. <laughs> so actually just get up and move. That's number one. Number two, and this actually brings me back to um, Aaliyah's uh, uh, comment about getting organized. One of the things about um, doing, when you don't necessarily enjoy or are motivated to exercise, you have to make it as easy as possible. You cannot put any mental barriers in the way. So it's sort of like, think of your habit of brushing your teeth. When you get up in the morning and you brush your teeth, you go in the bathroom, the toothpaste and the toothbrush is in the bathroom, right? And it's convenient. You pick it up and you brush your teeth. You have to make getting up and exercising just as convenient. You don't keep your toothpaste and toothbrush 
in your bottom drawer underneath your clothes, making it really difficult or a little bit uh, one extra barrier of you having to leave the bathroom, go find it, come back, brush your teeth, dry it off and put it back. Right. That would be really inconvenient. So do the same thing with your workout clothes, with your workout shoes the night before. Set up your shoes, your clothes and everything. So you literally just roll out the bed, put it on and then get to work. Right. Or uh, work out in your house or at the gym. Make it really easy. If you decide that the best time for you to do it is for you to go during work or after work the night before, pack your gym bag Put it in the car, right? Don't even put the barrier of, oops, I forgot it when I walked out the door. Put it in the car the night before. Make it easy as con- and convenient as possible for you to actually do the action. You can. So there's a, a um, there is a really interesting TED Talks, and I'm going to see if I can find it and post it later. Um, and the, the TED Talk speaker talked about the five second rule. That when you decide to do something, you have to take physical action on it within five seconds or your mind starts to create barriers. It starts to create reasons why you shouldn't do it and you can't do it. Right. So if you decide, okay, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go to the gym, you need to physically move, literally stand up. Right. (laughs) So within five seconds of you having that thought in order for you to be more likely to follow it through. So that's really important. Um, the oops, I'm shaking my camera here. So I'm taking more calls on Facebook, but you guys can call in too. You know, I would love to hear your voice if you want to call me in. My you can call in to uh, and speak to me live at two zero three eight seven two seven three five six. But I love my Facebook people who are uh, having this conversation with me on Facebook. Um, <laughs> so. Um, Kimmy says uh, she has a little time to work out. Uh, She works a full-time job after her um, full-time job outside of home and a mom of four. (sighs) Wow, you have a lot of things, a lot of things that are very familiar with me. I, too, am a mom of four (laughs) and (laughs) used to own a a business which is full-time and a half (laughs) and doing all of this stuff at once what you have to do Kimmy is you have to really make yourself take time for yourself right so I was not necessarily always a morning person but once I had children and I wanted to exercise I realized the only way for me to do that is to do it first thing in the morning when the kids were sleeping Right. Um, At that time, I feel like I've lived like five different lives. At that time, I was a full time student. I had two young children and my husband worked a full time job. We would we would kind of like hand the kids off for babysitting. But I knew that there was that kind of time, 6 a.m. to 7 a.m. in the morning where he was home. He can be home with the kids before they wake up. You know, everybody was sleeping. And so I would get up and I would go out for a run. Right. So it's really and it doesn't necessarily have to start with an hour. And I tell people that start with a minimum of 20 minutes. Right. 20 minutes. It can be walking. It can be running. It can be whatever you can do for 20 minutes. 
look at your day and carve 20 minutes out. And if you really, really have a hard time carving it out just for yourself, do something with the kids, right? Do something on your lunch break at work. You have to have a lunch break. So instead of taking a full hour for lunch, you know, make sure that you eat your lunch within 30 minutes and so that you can get your walk in for 30 minutes. Right. So look at literally look at your day. So this is a this is I am a really another a lot, another little thing about me. So you find out little things about me. we're going to be best friends if you listen to my show every week because you'll find out all this stuff about me. <laughs> I am a my husband calls me a calendar holic. <laughs> he says that I need calendars anonymous, but I don't. I just believe in accounting for my time. You do not get a lot of it, right? We have a finite, finite amount of time. So you have to be as productive as you can. So here is a tip. I literally make, and I actually do this. Maybe I'll figure out a way to share it with you guys. I literally make an Excel spreadsheet that breaks my day down by half an hour, right? (laughs) So I know it's a little tedious, but once you do it one time, you can just reuse it. It's like really awesome. And I account and I normally like uh, so when I set I set goals quarterly. So at the end of December, I literally spent a couple of days writing down. What do I normally do at this time? What time do I go to bed? And remember, I am also a huge proponent of reverse engineering. So. What's really, really important as I've gotten older, I have found sleep to be extremely important. I prioritize sleep. Sleep is you can't nothing substitutes sleep, but sleep. And I sacrificed it far too long. <laughs> Getting up at 430 in the morning, teaching boot camp, running a business and doing business stuff until 12 o'clock at night and trying to squeeze in three hours so that I can uh, get up on time. Don't do that anymore. Not good habits. Don't suggest it for anybody. So <laughs> what I do is I reverse engineer my day and here. And, and this is what I would certainly uh, recommend. I need to get a minimum of seven hours of sleep. So I figure out what time do I absolutely have to get up in the morning and then I reverse engineer that's my seven hours. So I don't put that on, on, on my Excel. I know that I'm going to sleep at this time and this is the time that I'm going to wake up. So we don't put that on the Excel spreadsheet. Then you, you have to calculate in. So don't just calculate in, okay, I'm going to be at work from this time to this time. You really have to calculate everything, right? How long does it take you to cook dinner or cook breakfast? Um, how long does it take you to take a shower? Self-care is really important, right? You take a shower and get dressed. You got to put that aside. Some people can do it in 30 minutes. Some people take an hour. Just make sure that you've designated that. And then look at your day and see where exactly you can change things. And it's sort of like making yourself a time budget, right? If you make yourself a financial budget, you look at it and say, mm, I'm spending a lot of money doing stuff that I don't need to do. Your latte factor, right? Maybe instead of a latte every morning, I can just get a coffee and save myself $2 a day. So if you do that with your time as well, where is your latte factor in your time? Can you shorten the duration of doing stuff? Can you watch less TV? Can you 
decrease your time on Facebook. But when you decrease your time on Facebook, make sure you still log on and, you know, conversate with me. <laughs> little self-advocacy there. <laughs> Can you listen to Mornings with Mubaraka on Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m.? while you're doing other things, right? Can you multitask stuff? So you don't necessarily have to just sit down and do one thing. Can you listen to me while you're washing dishes or doing whatever else that you have to do? So look at the latte factor. I personally believe that if you don't have time for self-care, then you need to reevaluate everything in your life. We have to take care of ourselves because if and exercising is just as important as making time to wash up, brush your teeth, do your hair. All of that is a part of self-care. What happens if you stop brushing your teeth? Right. You can physically get sick. What happens if you never exercise? You will physically get sick. So taking care of ourselves is a way for us to be better mothers, better fathers, to be better sisters and friends. All of that is about self-care. So that's really important. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to WNHHLP 103.5 FM, New Haven's home for community radio. I'm Mubaraka Ibrahim, and this is Mornings with Mubaraka, where we're talking about setting audacious goals and achieving them, even if you've been stuck for years. So if you've been stuck, then we need to break it down. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. That is how we need to set and achieve goals. Um, I have some more questions here. I'm going to move my mic a little bit. So I have some more questions here on Facebook. Um, and I am going to... Oh, so people are, oh, are you thinking about Ramadan already? A lot of people are thinking about Ramadan already. <laughs> so Ramadan is the Muslim month of fasting. Um, this year, it's going to fall around the beginning of June, I think, uh, maybe the end of May, the beginning of June. And Muslims do not eat or drink from sunrise to sunset. It falls kind of in the summertime so we around the world we people will be fasting some as much as 18 to 20 hours a day and so people are already thinking about I guess we're in January so it is going to be here in a, in a few months right so people are um already thinking about how do you exercise in Ramadan so one of the things that I recommend that people do in Ramadan is exercise after you break your fast. So that's the first and the easiest way to do it. The second is change the modality of your exercise. Decrease the uh, intensity, right? So you may not be able to run five miles, but you may be able to walk three. But the important part is to keep moving. That is the most important part. Keep moving. Don't go the whole Ramadan without um without eating, without doing any types of exercise. So that's really, really important. Um, and Audrey said that her doctor told her, so we're back to how to quit soda, to just quit cold turkey and you may have withdrawal symptoms. Yes, that is very true. 
<laughs> you have to quit cold turkey and you may. But the good news is that it's only going to last for a couple of days. You might get a headache. Um, you might get like extreme cravings. But I suggest that you just you really have to use a lot of willpower to get yourself over it. It's it, it just give yourself 48 hours. You'll be OK. The first day to be all right. Probably the second third and fourth day is where you're going to feel a lot of your withdrawal symptoms. Um, so you want to make sure that, um, that you want to do that. Um, yes. <laughs> Irma, the latte factor, latte factor, the latte factor of your time. We all have latte factors of our time. And one of the sayings is what do you have in common with great people like, Martin Luther King or Steve Jobs or people who have literally changed the world. What do you have in common with them? The one thing that you have in common with every person that changed the world is you have the same 24 hours a day. It's what do you do with your time? That is what we have to think about in achieving your goals. So where is your latte factor? Is your latte factor social media? Is your latte factor watching TV? Is your latte factor maybe playing in the mirror a little bit too long? (laughs) Right? Where is your latte factor? (laughs) You have to decide where your latte factor is in order to achieve those goals. And don't set limits on your goals. That's really, really important. I believe that people. So when I said that this show was going to be about setting audacious goals, I believe that if you work hard enough, if you, uh, Follow the example of people who have done it before you. You, There's plenty of people. We, there's almost nothing new under the sun. We've seen it all. We've done it all. It's just kind of like done from a different direction. So if someone has done it before, find out how they did it and how you can apply. Not everything because you can't duplicate what, you know, a person. Um, but you want to make sure that you can take some value from what they've done, right? Take some value from it. Um, You want to make sure that you actually don't try to go it alone. Find a support system, right? Give yourself small increments and give yourself a support system. And here is a great way of using social media. So, If you've been listening to me or following me, you know that I'm sort of kind of a social media holic. I am. I am. I totally admit it. I have no intentions of rehabbing it. I tell I tell my family that I moderate the amount of time that I'm on social media. I could stop if I want. And then my son will look at me and say, that's what all addicts say. addict I'm an addict it's okay it's all right (laughs) but one of the things that you can find a lot of benefit I think social media is kind of like tv right I decided when my kids were very small that I was not going to get rid of the tv altogether because there's benefits in in it right at it's probably very unlikely that my kids who live in the inner city of New Haven Connecticut at four years old is going to see the life of a whale, right? We don't go whale watching on a boat, but from TV, they can see that. So we watched a lot of Discovery Channel. 
we watched a lot of Animal Planet and PBS, right? So I decided early on that I was going to try to make it as beneficial as possible. And I think social media is the same way. You can use it as a benefit. So here is, I'm going to give you a tip and I'm going to tell you why you should post those gym selfies. I know people are going to get mad at me, <laughs> but it can, be, it can be good for you. It can be good for you. So, so I was talking to a good friend of mine uh, the other day who is a, uh, a, a psychiatrist and um, he specializes in neurology. And we were talking about habits and goals. And, uh, and, and one of the things that he talked about was the um, neurology behind creating habits and achieving goals. And he said, one of the issues is um, people set too big of a goal and they don't give themselves reward. So there has to be, so the neurology of habits is there is an action, there is a, um, and then there is a mental stimulus and then there is a reward, right? So that is the way our brain works. Everybody's brain that works that way, right? So you, um, so for example, you eat a cookie, right? <laughs> Your brain gets the 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 spikes of feeling good from eating the sugar. The reward is that feel good feeling, right? So there is the action. There is the physiological response, and then there is the reward. So when we say, I am going to lose, not even, let's not even use 50 pounds. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. It's going to take you at least about three months to lose 20 pounds. Most people, right? If you're consistent with your diet and your exercise and you have a good program. But you're not going to give yourself three months to be rewarded. You have to find small pleasures between there. And rewarding yourself with a cheat day is not what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> I'm talking about finding the small pleasures in the things that you enjoy. So, for example, if you like the feeling of, and, pe and wait, let's just be realistic, we're in a social media age. If you like the feeling of, posting a gym selfie or checking in at the gym and people liking your comment, that's your reward, then that can actually help you stay consistent. Theoretically, it can help you stay consistent. You go to the gym, but you got to give yourself some kind of like requirements. You got to be honest about your like gym, you know, <laughs> attendance and effort. If you had a hard workout, say you had a hard workout. If you struggled, say that you struggled. Do whatever it is that you feel like if your reward factor, the feel good that happens after the action. So after you've actually posted on Facebook, right? So you do the habit, which is go to the gym. Your uh, the, the action of uh, posting your gym uh, exercise or your your gym fate, um selfie. I've been trying to do that. I keep forgetting. I like <laughs> my workouts are like really hard and I'm like, I'm leaving. <laughs> I don't even have time for a selfie. <laughs> I want to get away from this place <laughs> because I just be like oh, spent, which is good. You should be spent after you work out. Um, but I'm going to start. I'm going to start posting gym. That, that, that's one of my New Year's resolutions. I'm going to start posting gym selfies. <laughs> so um, so if and then if that is your reward, then that can actually keep you consistent, right? If you are going to post, it's also a, a way of developing community support. 
your community support. So here is the other thing, right? Comment on other people's. Give them that reward factor. This is the support system. You're more likely to achieve your goals if you have a support system. You can use social media for that, right? So here's some of the benefits of social media. Use it for what it's good for. Um, and so that's actually my permission. I have been, I have given you permission to and have blessed your um your social media um gym selfies. <laughs> and if somebody says, why do you keep posting your gym selfies? Because Mubarak said that I should to help me achieve my goals. That that's that's what you can say. Mubarak says I should post gym selfies to help me achieve my goals. <laughs> so and if you're hey, if your goal is to save more money, right? Then hey, post. I'm posting that I just deposited some money in my savings account. Hey, why not? You don't got to tell people how much, even if it's a dollar. You post it, right? And you, you're saving money, which is really important. We're going to talk about that a lot this year, about the importance of um, financial responsibility. I was actually really shocked. So this is like a total side note, but I was really shocked at some of the statistics that I have um, that I've read about uh, um that 75% of Americans don't even have $1,000 in a savings account. That's really shocking to me. Like we, and now I understand why people have so many GoFundMes, right? GoFundMe is not a financial plan. We got to get better than that. Um, so that's another show. We'll talk about that at, at a different time. I want to, uh, I want to talk, to, I want to give you a couple of more um, um, goal statistics for the New Year's. So, here are um, from this is the this is some stats from who is this from from the University of Scranton Journal of uh, Clinical Psychology. Right. So 75 um, percent of people maintain their who made New Year's resolutions, maintain them through the first week. So that's that's a little like how 25 percent of people give up in the first week. Like how are you giving up? Come on, 70, okay, but we, we, we're doing good, 75%, right? Past week two, only 71% of the people actually maintain them. One month, 64% of people are still uh, focused on their New Year's resolution. But past six months, more than half of the people actually still even think that they're going to achieve them and try. Only 46% of people really continue. <laughs> So, and then that gets lower and lower and lower. And we know that at the end of the year, only 8% of people actually have achieved and continue to strive towards their New Year's resolution. So, but we have a plan, right? So here's our plan. Remember, so I'm going to recap the plan. You want to make sure that your new year, that whatever your goal is, if it's a business goal, say your goal is to start your business this year, or your goal is to, as we saw, be more organized or to lose weight. You that that alone can't be your goal. That's the overarching thing you want to achieve. But you have to be more specific and then you have to break it down. Right. You have to break it down into um, very small, doable parts. That was the second thing. 
The third thing was reverse engineer your goal, right? What is the ultimate goal, right? And then what do you need to do to achieve those goals? How do you break that down day by day? So if your goal is to eat healthier, which is very generic, that's that we shouldn't make generic goals like that. What is eating healthier mean, right? Your goal, if your goal is to get fit, another one that is really generic, it shouldn't be a goal. When people tell me that they want to get fit or they want to be fitter or they want to get in shape, right? My response is, what does that mean to you? Because in shape to an ex-athlete, maybe they want to be able to run a seven minute mile again, right? Because they used to do that. But in shape to a stay-at-home mom of toddlers, maybe I want enough endurance that I can actually put my kids to bed and sit down and do something for myself without just passing out. I want to be able to lay down in bed at night instead of fall down in the bed, right? <laughs> so <laughs> in shape means something different to everybody. So put, quantify it. What does that mean? What? will you be able to do if you were quote unquote in shape? Will you be able to run a 5k? Will you be able to do 50 military push-ups? Like what does in shape, you have to quantify it. You have to. So if that in shape means, Hey, you want to be able to do 50 military push-ups, then what do you need to do? You need to say, okay, how many can I do now? Can I add to be a, the ability to do two extra push-ups each week until I reach 50 push-ups. You have to make sure um, you have to make sure that you reverse engineer it, right? You reverse engineer it. So that's really, really important. So those are the things that you need to do. So not just with weight loss. We talked about weight loss a lot today, but we, but those other things are just as important, right? People want to say, well, I'm going to save money. So that was number three, spend less and save more. What does that mean to spend less and save more? What are you going to do? Are you going to make your first goal, which um, many financial experts uh, um, um, suggest, have at least $1,000 in a savings account? Have it. Right. That that just that alone takes you out of that 75 percent statistic. So what is when are you going to do that? What do, can you sacrifice from your latte factor of how you're going to do that? So that is really important for setting. Um, so those are all of the suggestions of how you set and achieve your goals and work towards them every day. Become obsessed about your goals. Right. There's no harm in being obsessed in achieving greatness. Be obsessed with achieving greatness, right? Anybody can be mediocre. You were born to be great. I really believe that everyone has greatness inside of them. So we are coming to the end of the show. I want to remind you that I am here every Wednesday morning, every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. Mornings with Mubarakha is the show you have been listening to on 103.5 FM WNHHLP also streaming live on newhavenindependent.org. So today we simulcast live on Facebook. 
I don't simulcast live with every show. If I have a guest on the show, sometimes there are call-in guests, and so you have to actually listen to the show. So make sure that you use this link. You can save this video, and you can use the same link that I put inside the video description every Wednesday morning at 10 a.m. I'm live on the same channel. If you live in New Haven, Connecticut, area you can tune in on your radio at 103.5 fm um, if you are online you can go to newhavenindependent.org click the little blue button at the top left corner that says wnhh radio and you can listen live there we also have lots of great shows so make this the year that you decide that you want to listen to media that talks to you and about you. And that is WNHHLP 103.5 FM. This is Mubaraka Ibrahim. And I want to remind you to be a voice and not an echo. And I will speak to you next week.